Blog Talk Radio. I'll have some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days. And some lonely nights. But when I, when I look around, and I think things over, All of my good days outweigh my bad days. I, I won't complain. Sometimes the clouds hang low. I can hardly see the road. I ask the question, Lord, Lord, why so much pain? But he Uh, 
many years ago, before I went into the ministry, some month or so before I went into the ministry and been in it now, over going on over 40-some years, and and God gave me a dream. And in this dream, there was a mountain, a big old tall mountain, and it was just, it was pit black. It was dark. It was night. It was like in the midnight hour. It was so dark you could not even see. And I was crawling up the mountain, and and it was lightning. And every time God would speak, it was lightning and thunder. And because I had asked the Lord, you know, I needed proof. You know, I wanted to know that God had called me to preach and not some feeling, you know, uh, not to in, no intuition, not something that I thought what God said and God didn't say. Because the Bible said, know your calling and your election sure. So I wanted to make sure that God called me and not, you know, you know, and not be misled by some feeling that I had just because I wanted to do it. But somebody else said, I look like a preacher. I can preach like a preacher. I act like a preacher. But I wanted God's seal. So he gave me that dream to seal that he did call me before I preached my trial sermon. And it lightened and it thundered. And as it lightened and thundered, I saw people all around the mountain, looked like there was Hundreds of people, thousands of people. It was all up and down the mountain, some low, some middle, some near the top. But the problem was they couldn't get to the top of the mountain. But every time it was thunder and lightning, I would climb, I would climb higher and higher and higher. Finally, I made it to the top of the mountain, and I and I got up on the top of the mountain, and I could see clearly after I got to the top of the mountain because when I got on the top of the mountain, there was a platform land. It was an altar, and on that altar was a Bible. And that Bible was uh, uh, was open, and God spoke to me, even he spoke to the man of God in the Bible. God told me to read it from Genesis to Revelation. He told me to eat the whole book, and he told me that he wanted me to take that book. I asked God, I said, God, who are these people that are trying to climb up the mountain, why they could not make it? He said, that's why I called you up, that I might anoint you to help them make it up the mountain. So, so God called me, and he anointed me that I might be able to preach the gospel God said, these are my people. He said, they want me. They're trying to get here, but they're having a problem getting here, and I and, and I call you to help them. So it's a blessing to be able to be called by God to help somebody. We have been called, got a job on our hands. Our job is to make sure that we preach salvation and preach it to the full. and preach it the way the Bible said it is and not the way that we heard. Because God got people out there. The Bible said the weaker vessel. God got people out there that love the Lord and they want to come to God and they're trying to get to God but they got hindrance, they got things in their lives, they got hang-ups in their lives, and you preaching on their hang-up. You preaching on their habit. God never told us to preach on nobody's hang-up and preach on nobody's habit. Well, all you go to do is give them the word of God. Let them know that Jesus saves and sanctified. Holy Ghost feeling about time. You give them Jesus and let God, and let God. We want, we want to scale the fish after we catch the fish, and that ain't our job. It is not our job to scale nobody. It's God's job to sanctify us. Sanctification belongs to God. We anytime you start trying to sanctify somebody, you already done got got out you you out of your lane now. You you messing with God God now. That's God's responsibility. All he told you to do is preach the gospel. All he told you to do is deliver the word. And now you to deliver the word, the Bible said the word will not go out and come at voice, but it would accomplish what he sent it out to do. So what we try to do, we try to catch them and scale them and clean them and all that stuff. And, and we mess around and lose the fish. But 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 do your part and just preach salvation. So we're going to talk about true salvation tonight. I'm talking about 
true salvation. I ain't talking about something somebody heard. I ain't talking about grandma's salvation and grandpa's salvation. I ain't talking about no Buddha salvation. I ain't talking about Mary Magdalene, the mother of Jesus with the sacred heart salvation. I ain't talking about no Muhammad salvation. I'm talking about, I ain't no talking about no Catholic salvation, no deacon or, 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 or no demonic salvation, but this salvation is true from God. We got all kind of teaching going on now. And everybody's trying to save people with their religion, save some people from, from what they feel like. But if except it's the word of God, it will not save nobody. Not no Baptist, not no Catholic, not no seven-day Adventist, uh-huh, not no Eastern star, uh-huh, uh, not no Mormon, the Latter-day Saint. This is not what saved people. For the Bible says it's salvation through Christ Jesus. John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is salvation to God, through his son, Christ Jesus. Do you hear me again? God says, through his son, Christ Jesus, he gives you everlasting life. He said, whosoever, that means God ain't going to make you get Jesus. He's not going to make you accept Jesus. That choice is up to you. You can get Jesus and be saved, or you cannot get Jesus and be lost. That choice is up to you. He said, whosoever... To believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Perish means die and go to hell. Perish means to be lost in your soul, spend eternity and, 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 and judgment, burning in a lake of fire. That's what perish means. Or you can have everlasting life and live in heaven with God. Uh, you can be in heaven with God forever. Never, never, never to come back to earth no more. Now, that, that, I would think that a wise man would pick the first and sell, uh, pick the last and sell the first. I think a wise man would rather want to live forever in life, eternal life than to perish in the lake of fire. And when you get in that fire, when, uh, listen, when you get in that fire, there ain't no way out. You're going to be there forever and forever and forever. The scripture said that not only will you be burning in the lake of fire, You'll be gripping your teeth with, oh, you imagine stepping on a nail. You imagine putting your hand on a hot eye on the stove and it's still hot. And I mean, it, it, it's just high heat. And you got your hand. It's no comparison to the pain that will be running in the body if you end up in hell. The Bible says skin worms will be crawling all out of your eyes and out of your mouth. They're going to be torturing you all. So you imagine skin worms coming all out of your mouth and, and everywhere else in your body. Worms are crawling out. And you burning in 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 brimstone and fire, rocks that are so hot that they melt like butter. You imagine see the lava coming out of a volcano? It ain't got nothing compared to this right here. And your soul is there forever. I'm trying to help somebody this evening. But your soul is there forever and ever, never to escape. Ain't gonna be nobody print Listen, you better quit believing these lies that they've been telling you because that is not true. Uh, they got some kind of religion, and I won't have to get to call no names. They got certain religions saying that you got another arms in. Uh huh. If you got enough another uh, arms in that uh, 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 a repentance in that that you, you could be forgiven uh, e even in the grave. But let me say, if you know this, if you don't die with Jesus Christ in your life, you ain't gonna live it. If you didn't die with Jesus, you ain't gonna get up with Jesus. 
If you didn't die with being born again, how are you going to die lost and get up saved? You ain't going to do it. Ain't nobody going to be able to pray no repentance. Ain't, you ain't got no arm. Listen, how do you know, Pastor? Because Jesus tells the story about the rich man. Listen, that rich man didn't make it because he won't save, and you ain't going to make it either if you're not saved. The Bible said he opened his eyes up in hell. He didn't say nothing about nobody gave no arms and gave, gave no penance for him and got him out. He was lost forever. The Bible said he even asked the Lord, let somebody go back and talk to his brethren because he knew he was doomed. So when you, if you die lost, there is no hope. There ain't no hope. Please don't let nobody trick you. There ain't no hope. Do not die without Jesus. Do not die without salvation. Do not die without being born again. Because if you do, you're going to be lost. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any of us, for there is none of us under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now listen, not only did Jesus tell us that he will save us, but we must pray to God in the name of Jesus. See, we got it all mixed up. Our prayers aren't getting answered because we wonder why. Because we're praying to Jesus. You're not supposed to pray to Jesus. You're supposed to pray to God. Jesus never said in the word for us to pray to him. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I'll do. Now, people are getting all about God, and they're praying to Jesus. I got this really, really in the New Testament. I just pray to Jesus, and Jesus do this, and Jesus do that. And you ain't even getting your prayer answers. You can't override the word of God. You can't do it the way they expect God to hear your prayer. Jesus said, even Jesus humbled himself when they tried to worship him. Jesus told him, listen, why call me good? Ain't none good but the Father. And Jesus said, when you ask the Father, ask him in my name. You hear what I'm saying? God gave Jesus the power in attorney. You hear what I'm saying? Now, God is still God. He's still sitting on the throne. He made that plain. Paul made that plain that Jesus has authority over everything but the throne. Do you hear me? He has power over everything but the throne, and he's going to keep that power until that day he he takes control of the world when he wraps to the church, and then he's going to give that power back to God. But until then, He's sitting on the right hand side of the Father now as our high shepherd, making intercession for us. And when you pray to God, you pray in the name of Jesus because he's our access. He's the access number in order to, to get your prayer answered. When you pray in the name of Jesus, then God will answer your prayer because you have done it according to his word. Hear me again. When you pray, don't pray to God. And, and keep on and get up off your knees and go about your business thinking your prayer going to be answered, and you didn't lock it in and seal it with the, in the name of Jesus. you got to say, in the name of Jesus. Whatever you're asking for healing, you're asking for a breakthrough, you're asking for deliverance, you're asking about your marriage, you're asking about your children, you're asking about your health, you're asking about your finance. It doesn't matter what you're asking for. When you get to praying, say, in Jesus' name, I ask you this, and God will honor your prayer. Isn't that all right? I'm just trying to straighten up some matter here. You don't pray to no Buddha. You don't pray to Mary, mother of Jesus. Listen, y'all, the mother of Mary of Jesus is only, was no more than what we are today. She was just an instrument that God used to bring Jesus into the world. Yes, she's special. Her name is special, but her name is not to be worshipped. Her name not to be hung on your neck with no heart, and you worship her like though she's some God. She has no power, none at all. She ain't got no more power than the apostle got. She ain't got no more power than Peter got and John the Baptist got. 
She ain't got no more power than Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah because she's just an instrument that God used to bring Jesus unto the world, and that's it. So while you're worshiping her and thinking that you're going to get your prayers answered because you're praying to her, you ain't even supposed to be praying to her because she's not a God. As I told you, she's just an instrument that God used. And you know, oh, I'm not messing up somebody's religion now. But I got to be true. got to tell the truth. I'm trying to help somebody so you won't mess around and be standing for God alone because you thought Mary saved you. You thought Mary answered your prayer. You thought that you got your prayer answered because you called on the name of Mary, Jesus' mother. Understand she's special. Understand she's an important person. But all she was was an instrument, a channel that God used to bring Jesus into the world. I'm going to leave that alone, go a little bit further here. Acts 16 and 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved in thy house. Yes, now we're back to Jesus. Now, now you can believe on him. Understand, because you can't pray in his name till you first believe in him. Believe on him. And God would say, husband, uh, wife, mama, dad, you want your children saved? You get saved. You around here trying to discipline your children? Drop them off at Sunday school, and you're going to go to the club. Or drop them off at Sunday school, and you're going to go to the juke joint. Drop them off at, the school, uh, at Sunday school, and you're going to go to the liquor house. You need to get in that. You need to go to Sunday school. And you need to get out of that car and go into Sunday school, too, with your children. The Bible said train them up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart. Now, how you would that? That training means by example. It does not mean by I heard you to tell us a long time ago, you do what I tell you to do, but don't do like I do. Well, did they not know that what they did affect us? What you do is, listen, parent, what you do is the eyes of your children. Your eyes see what, that your children see what you do, and you become their eyes because they're going to be shaped and shaped and shifted about who you are. And you can say all you want to, preaching them the gospel and taking them to church. And dropping them all on Sunday school, and you get at home and cuss and, and fight one another, and got got the refrigerator full of beer, wine, liquor, and everything else. And you tell them not to drink no beer, not to drink no wine, not to smoke no cigarettes, don't smoke no dope. You're on the back porch smoking all the marijuana you can smoke, and you're trying to be an example. To be an example is to do what the word says. If you want them to live right, if you want them to walk like Christ, then you walk like Christ. You be an example. I never heard my mother curse. Not one day have I ever heard my mama curse. My mama told us one day, if you don't hear me cursing, don't you be cursing. I had a wonderful mama, a beautiful mama, and she set examples. When my dad died, I was about 14 years old. My mama had 10 children to raise. And you know what? My mama didn't let no men come running in the house there. The help of time was hard back then. And my mama had no money. My mama had no money. Then when my mama went to social service, to, in order to, to get some help in social service, you know, having 10 children and your, your dad having social security, uh, uh, that she would get a right nice check for, for 10 children. But she got down there to social service, and they went into the computer looking for my dad's social security and come to find out that the man took the social security money out, but he didn't turn it in. Here my mom is, and I got to raise 10 children. My mama said, the man took the money out of his check. I know he did. And she said, ma'am, I'm not calling you a liar. I'm not saying he didn't say, but he didn't send it down here. So now here then my mom can get no substitute. She got to struggle in the field. And I seen tears in her eyes, and I seen her struggling. But my mama didn't open up no door and let no man come in the house in order to satisfy her needs. My mama stayed saved. 
My mama kept the faith. My mama was a virtuous woman. My mama let God, and my mama was a praying woman. And as she prayed, God met her needs. It was so bad until family members asked my mama, why don't you divide the children up and get them away? And we'll send you to college and you'll get a degree. But my mama loved us so much. Now, I was a sick one. I was born sick. I was born with a bad, a low immune system. And the mama kept me at the hospital. She kept taking me to the hospital. The doctor told her one day, there's no need of bringing him back. Ain't nothing we could do about it. I kept a cold 24 hours a day. I was stopped up like I had pneumonia, like I had a flu, like I had bronchitis. I could not breathe. I, 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 I was tortured at night. I suffered at night. I struggled to breathe. Every breath I took to breathe. So that's why I'm so thankful now. That's why I'm so grateful now that I can breathe. I struggled every moment just to get my breath because I could not breathe, because my lungs and, my, and, and, and everything was stopped up with flame and, and cold and flu because my immune system was so low. But my mama didn't give me away. She wouldn't. She could have bided us up. She could have went to college. She could have had a living and let somebody put us in a foster home. But she loved God and she loved us so much that she didn't give us away. And she told them, "No, that's okay. I'm gonna raise my children." I thank God for a God-fearing mother, a mama that was saved, a mama that knew Jesus. Honey, when you know Jesus, it makes all the difference. Mama, when you know Jesus, your children will get to know Jesus. Daddy, when you know Jesus. Sooner or later, your, 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 your son will get to know Jesus. But how can he know Jesus if Jesus don't first start in you? So I want to get this thing straightened up about salvation. That you might know that salvation only comes through Christ Jesus. But he said, no, it comes any other way. If you get saved any other way, with all these different names that folks call themselves getting saved under, if you get saved any other way than in the name of Jesus, he said you're like a thief and a robber. It's like you coming up... Uh, on the back side, you're coming up the wrong way. You're coming through the wrong door. For there is no salvation in no other but Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 1 and 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now listen, this salvation does not only, this salvation does not only save us, but this salvation sanctifies us. This salvation cleanses us. This salvation consecrates us. Look what the writer said. Uh, he said, but according to his own purpose, he said, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. And people talking about they've been saved and they've been born again and still doing the same thing they were doing 10 years ago. When Jesus called you, baby, with salvation, he called you with a holy calling. You are holy now. Old things pass away. The whole, all things become new. You have been given a new nature. You're not like that hog that, that washed him real good and put a suit on him, and then he went back to the mud. Well, the hog didn't know no better because that was the nature of the hog to go back to the mud. I don't fault the hog. I fault them for not knowing no better that the hog didn't know no better. The hog did what he only knew, and that was the plate in the mud. They changed the hog. They gave him a new suit, but it didn't change his nature. If your nature don't change, you ain't saved. If you've been in the hog and you say you've been born again and your nature have not changed, then you is not saved. Your nature must change. Huh? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because when you, before you get saved, you got the nature of Adam. Adam sitting in the garden. And when Adam sitting in the garden, the, uh, the, uh, 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 the, uh, the nature came in, uh, this, 
a demonic nature came in him. See, that tree had evil in it. The Bible said it was a tree of knowledge and good and evil. But Adam and Eve didn't realize what they did. They couldn't see it. They didn't see it happen, but it happened. It's just like the wind outside. If the blowing wind is blowing outside, there's a wind today, and you got the door closed, you can't see the wind. You can't see the wind. But if you open up the door, you still can't see the wind, but the wind going to blow all the paper off the dresser and all off the, all the table, and wherever you got paper is, 60 miles out of wind, going to blow stuff around in the house. You can't see the wind, but the wind is still the wind. And just like the wind, spirits are, they are invisible. And what Adam and Eve took of that tree, what Eve took of it and gave it to Adam, they unlock wickedness. They unlock evil. Remember now, the scripture said it was the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Whenever they unlock, when they get that fruit, that forbidden fruit, they unlock demonic forces. They unlock the adultery. They unlock the fornication. They unlock the lasciviousness. Uh, they unlock the sexual immorality. They unlock the lust. They unlock the murder, and, and, and I could keep going on. They unlocked all the demonic forces that was not unlocked. They were locked up inside the tree. But 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 when they disobeyed God, and they unlocked the spirit, the spirit went out in all the world. They got in the men. They got in the women. They got in them in such a way that God said that I hate our made man. God said it grieved me. It hate our made man. That's what happened when you sin. Spirit goes out. Oh, somebody ought to listen to me. When you sin, spirit goes out. They goes out. You open up a door when you sin, and spirit goes out. And they get in others, and they get in you. They get in your life circumstance. They get in your health. They get in your lifestyle. They get in your children. The spirit that goes out. Salvation comes to give you a new nature, a new spirit. Old things pass away. The whole all thing become new. Listen, it, it, it causes you to stop cussing. It causes you to stop obeying the lusts of the flesh. It gives you a new mindset. It gives you a new, it gives you power beyond your wildest dreams. It takes away your desire to sin. For, for first John said, we don't sin no more. It didn't say we don't make no mistakes, but no. What he means, a lifestyle. If you still live in a lifestyle of sin and you say you've been born again, you need to go back and get saved again. If you still live in that same lifestyle you were living before you got saved, you need to go back and this time you need to get saved in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Jimmy or Jerry or Jericho. You get, need to get saved in the name of Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. He the one saved me. He the one saved you. You need to get saved in the name of Jesus. And when you call on the name of Jesus, he'll save you, and he will give you a new nature. He'll take away that dynamic nature, and he'll give you that Christ-like nature, the old thing to pass away. And behold, you'll become new. This salvation that God gives helps you to live right. See, the law says not to commit adultery. The law says not to commit fornication. The law says don't cuss. The law says not lie. But listen to this. The law said that, and then when you did it, it condemned you and killed you. That's what the law did. But there was no power in the law. It, it told you not to do something and did not help you not to do it. Hear me? The law told you not to do it, didn't help you not to do it, and then turn around and punish you when you did it. That's what the law did. That's why God had to do away with the law. 
because the law had no power in itself to make you live right. Just like a stop sign at the end of the highway. That stop sign ain't got no power to make you stop. If the law had power, it's the law you, it ain't the stop sign you stop for. It was the law behind that stop sign saying if you don't stop, you're going to go to jail and might lose your license. That's why you stop. You didn't stop because the stop sign said S-T-O-P and it was red. You stopped because there was a law behind that stop sign. So it is. The law said don't do it. And if you way out in the country, you way out of 20 miles, 30 miles, ain't no city, ain't no, no houses nowhere, ain't no police nowhere, you have a right not to stop. But you're wrong. You may not stop, but you still supposed to stop. Because the stop sign said the same thing 50 miles in the country is said in the city. It says stop, and there's a law behind it that says you should stop for the safety of others. That's why you're stopping. You're stopping for the safety of others. But listen, look what grace did. Now, God saw what the law could not do. I like this scripture. But it said God saw what the law could not do. And in that, he gave his son, Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. For, what, for what the law could not do, in Christ Jesus, he did do. So let's talk about what he did do, apostle. The law said not to do it, didn't help you do it, and condemn you when you did it. What grace said not to do it, I help you. To do it. You hear me? The grace said I not to do it. Then grace said I help you not to do it. Then I help you to do it. Grace said not to do it. Then he said, I help you not to do wrong. And then he turned around and said, I help you do right. The law didn't do that. The law had no help at all. But grace is not only going to help you and tell you not what to do, but grace is going to turn around and help you to do what God says and not do the wrong thing. Thank God for grace. That's what grace does. Grace makes a difference. But grace does what the law could not do. Only the thing the law could do was condemn. But what grace comes to do is deliver. It comes to give you the power and the ability to walk according to the word of God. Not only did God tell you not to do these things, but he said, I will help you not commit adultery. I help you not commit fornication. I help you not to cut. I help you not to lie. I help you not to... to Fill your life with lasciviousness and alcohol and drugs. I will help you. All you got to do is call on my name. Call on my on my name in the name of my son Jesus. Call on my name. Help me, God. Help me not to commit adultery. Help me not to lie. Help me not to steal. In the name of Jesus. Oh my my, You're getting good now. Psalm sixty-two and one. To the chief musician to Judah, a song of David. Truly my soul waited upon God from him coming my salvation. How many know that I said salvation not only it does not only come to save you, it comes to to meet your need. It comes to help you. It comes to bring you out of your struggle. It comes to help you in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your circumstances. David said, Come at my salvation. It will deliver you. It will set you free. It'll pick you up from a bow down state. Oh, yes, it will. It, 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 will, it will take the, solve the problems that is in your life. It will set things in order. That's what salvation does. Now, think about the Salvation Army. What is their job? When you get burned out, you, get, you need clothes, you need food, what do they do? They come to your rescue to help you in the natural. But this salvation, it comes to help you in the spiritual. Just like, the, just like salvation, the Salvation Army come to meet your need naturally, help you get in a home, put you up in the motel, give you food to eat, give you a, 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 
a botcher, a botch, batcher, whatever the thing. They give you this, help you out a little while while you're trying to get back on your feet. They help you in a motel place to stay until you can get your insurance to pay your home off so you can remodel or whatever. The, the salvation army helps you in the natural. So does salvation in the spiritual. If salvation in the natural helps you, how much more does salvation in the spirit? Salvation helps you. Salvation is to help. It comes to help you. It comes to make your life better. Not bitter, but better. Acts 2 and 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't let nobody tell you that you can't be saved, that you can't be born again. Now, remember I said this saved not only just to be saved and be born again and be saved, but it keeps saving you. It, it saves you from from the bad life you done got yourself into. It saved you from the mess you got into. See, I had got into a mess whenever uh, uh, before I got saved. I was in prison, facing a hundred years in prison. I had got into a mess. The judge, the judge, when he could have turned me loose, he God didn't allow him to turn me loose because God wanted to get my attention. And the judge gave me three, uh, uh, one day a sentence that the judge gave me a sentence that somebody said he ain't never heard it before. The devil, the devil, the judge gave me one day to three years sentence. One day, what do you mean one day to three years, Apostle? Other words, I can get out of I can get out of after one day, or I can stay another three years. All depend on my character, my action, my behavior. I can cut up and act crazy and end up staying in the three years, or I can get out one day. But I end up staying in there uh, fourteen months after that one day because God wants to get my attention. God just wants to get my attention. You hear what I'm saying? And my life was messed up. So with salvation, I had nothing. I didn't have nothing. You hear what I say? I was. I didn't even have a name. You hear me? In prison, they don't even call you a name. You don't even have a name in prison. You a number. They call you a number when they wake you up at night and wake you up in the morning for breakfast. They call you a number, not a name. I had lost everything I had. I had lost my reputation. I had lost my family. I had lost my friends. Huh? And that was in 1977. I got saved in 1979. To come out of that prison in 1979, and since I since salvation came to my life, God saved me that day in 1979 with nothing, not a penny in my pocket. I was broke. He saved me broke, huh? God saved me right there in that prison, and that salvation not only saved my soul, but it began to save my life. He brought me out of there, and it won't long after I got out in nineteen in nineteen eighty one. God, I could save me in nineteen eighty one. He gave me a beautiful wife. Yes, he did. That I've been married to now over forty two years. Uh, here, here, I just come out of prison. This woman married a man come out of prison, a man that wants nothing, didn't have nothing. I didn't even have money to pay for the wedding. Didn't even have money to buy her a ring. But salvation did this. She married me and loved me and believed in me, even though others cast me down and, and and looked it over me and disrespected me and looked at my mistakes rather than looking at the salvation that was in my life. Then it did in '82. He called me to the ministry on, on 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 July on July the fourth in nineteen eighty two. He called me to the ministry. Since then, he has blessed me greatly. He called me to teach. He called me to prophesy. He called me to evangelize, and I evangelized in and out of the state, in and out of the country. Pastors and churches here and there, 19 years in one church, and here I am now here going on 18 years in the church that I founded, the Burning Book Church. But I want you to know God has truly blessed me. 
He has blessed me abundantly. He has blessed me with 22 grandchildren, four beautiful children, three girls and a boy. God took me from nothing. Do you see what salvation will do? Took me from nothing. The devil said I won't be nothing. You know that song they got out now? They said you won't be nothing. You won't go to mountain anything. That's what they said. I won't be nothing. I won't be mountain anything. They accused me of being like my uncle. I had an uncle that stayed in prison all the time in jail. They said, you're going to be just like your uncle. You ain't going to be no good. All you're going to do is spend the rest of your life in prison. But salvation made that a lie. I want you to know that salvation will change things. All you got to do is get God in your life. Don't worry about what people say. Don't, don't look at what people say. Don't let people dictate your life. That's what they said about me. That ain't what God said. And God took me out of prison and gave me his best. He put me in a phenomenal church. It was one of the mother churches of the, of the, of the conference that we were in. And, and, and what, not only did he put me there, it was a mother church. It was a church that no young man had never pastored before because no, they, didn't never, they would never allow a young man to pastor. It was almost elderly men, but God put me there in spite of what they want. Honey, salvation will, will, will make all the difference. Salvation will put you places that you never thought you would go. Salvation will create in you things you never thought would be created. Salvation will do for you what a salvation army cannot do. To the salvation army is limited. They can only help you for just a little while. Uh, but this salvation will keep on helping you over and over again. First Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor dollarsters, nor dollarsters, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covet, nor drunkards, nor revival, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now I come to help somebody who has been bad and misled. Excuse me, I thank you got salvation. Thank you, saving. You still fornicating just as fat as hard as you can. You still commit, you still a, a dollar, sir. You worship an idol, and you've been doing it. And you've been doing it for a long time and call yourself being saved. You can't serve an idol. You can't walk in salvation and serve an idol, too. An idol, an idol something that you're making your God. Called, that's called an idolater. You, you, then, then, then you got the adulterer, one who just running around everybody else's husband, everybody else's wife, and call yourself being born again. No, sweetheart, you need to check your salvation. Nor effeminate. Other words, two men loving two men and two women loving two women. And you say you say you've been born again. I don't mean to. I don't mean to uh, to, to disturb uh, 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 your uh, uh, your belief, but but you need to go back to the altar again. If you go and and and, and ask God to help you to, to turn that man loose and turn that woman loose, it, it is a sin. It's an abomination for for to be effeminate. It's an abomination for two men to love one another and two women to love one another. It's a sin, huh? Some people, you know, you ask them, is it a sin, and they get going to well this and and according to their rights. And the let let me say this as I can say it. It is a sin. It is an abomination. It is wrong for two men to love one another and marry one another and two women to love one another and marry one another. Now, listen to this. If God allowed two men and women now to call the president and the governor and, 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 and the judicial system and the legislator and the Congress passes that they can get married and God allowed that to be, then God got to go all the way back to Solomon and Gomorrah and he got to forgive all them people he killed that day and say he was sorry that he killed them and apologized to them. And how many know that God ain't going to do that? Because God ain't no lying God. 
God said it will be in the last days as it was in the days of Solomon Gomorrah. Men to be loving men, women going to be loving women, giving into a natural affection, burning in the flesh one to another. Man will loving a man and a woman, both loving a woman. And it is abomination. It is wrong. And you cannot be saved and walk in Detroit. A bruiser, a bruiser. You call yourself saved and, and, and bruising your wife and bruising your husband and bruising your children. You just mean, you just devil, devilish, choking her and beating her down and, and, and breaking her arm and hurting her and she gets crippling her uh, because you were mean and abusive. You ain't no salvation in you. You need to get saved. A bruiser of themselves and with, and with mankind. You hear me? You can't be saved and, and, and carry these traits. A thief, stealing all the time. Covious. All we want something alone to somebody else, somebody else's husband, somebody else's wife. Salvation will change you from this. You can't say you say. You can't say you've been born again and you're walking in these things. A, a drunkard. Oh, my God. Salvation comes to deliver you. Drinking more liquor than making it go in the store and claiming yourself to be born again. A reviler causing almost trouble. Disturbing, causing peak, causing confusing. Uh, 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 stirring up stuff. Breaking up quiet, breaking up the church, an extortioner, uh huh. All in the, in the people's business, all in the in, in the welfare of the church, they, they, they trouble. There ain't no peace because of you. You're calling it uh, extortion, calling destruction. And what the writer said, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot have salvation. You're not going to heaven, huh? You're not gonna get the Holy Ghost that way. Because the Bible said, they said, Lord, when will the kingdom come? He said, he's already here. When Jesus Christ came, he brought the kingdom with him. Do you hear me? Romans 10 and 10. Oh, I'm going to leave that alone. Romans 10 and 10. For with the heart, man, believers the righteousness, and with the mouth, confession, it made unto salvation. Do you hear what I'm saying? you got the first, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus and that he was raised from the dead, that he was born by the Virgin Mary, suffered on opponent, Pilate, crucified and dead. On the third day, he rose from the dead and declared victory over the grave, death, and hell. And he gone back to the Father and sitting on the right-hand side of God. God said, if you believe that in your heart, confess that with your mouth, you shall be saved. And your confession will bring salvation in your life. Your, salvation, your confession will bring a change in you. Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God had break, that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that the nine, listen, teaching us that the nine ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You can't say you saved and still live in the same way, still cussing and lying and cheating and going to the club and trying to run around with everybody, husband and wife, trying to live ungodly, doing all kinds of ungodly things in the bedroom and in the dark. No, no, no. This salvation teaches us to live holy. Oh, Baba Shane. This salvation teaches us to live holy. Denying ungodliness. When salvation comes, you'll start denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. Because you know the world is full of all kinds of lusts. This salvation makes you deny this. You don't even want to do it because your nature not the same no more. If that hog can have a different nature, that hog would have appreciated that suit, and he went to church that Sunday. And he wouldn't have went back to the mud because his nature has been changed. When your nature changed, you change. 
When God changed your nature, you, you don't walk around in the godliness no more. You don't walk around in the world in lust no more. It teaches us to live soberly, not drunk, soberly, godly in this present world. Because when you live sober and godly and walk above these things that I mentioned, then people will see your life and they'll come running and ask, what must I do to save? Because they want the old debt that you got. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man to come to seek and to save, that was lost. Oh, Jesus came. Listen, Jesus came to save the law. He didn't come to save, save the saved. That's why we can't get nobody saved. So we always hang around the church with saved folks. We always have a service with saved folks. We always have a seminar with saved folks. We always have a Bible with saved folks. Saved folks don't need to be saved. Saved folks need to get out of the church so the, so the unsaved can come there and get saved. Reading the unsaved can't get saved because we sit in their seat. The church was not made for saints. The church was made for sinners. So we need to get up so the sinners can come in that seat and get that seat that they're going to be sitting in and be saved. Jesus said, I came not for the law, but for the, for the righteous, but to bring sinners to repentance. Now, Jesus came to bring sinners to repentance. I think that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be going out in the highway, byways, and hedges and preaching to them that they might get saved. Don't be looking at them all funny turn our nose all up there, making them feel bad. We need to be witnesses to them. Let them know that Jesus saved Jesus saved you in your hellishness, in your mess, in your messed up life. It's the same Jesus to save them. God ain't got no respect for person. You were messed up when God saved you. Ask Paul about it. Paul said he was the chief among sinners, but God saved him, and it is what it is. And it is what it is with you, too. God had to save you. You were messed up. But, oh, God saved you. Did he save you? So give somebody else a chance. Quit judging people. Saying God saved you? God can't save her because she's a mess. You were a mess, too. You just didn't know it. Titus, Luke 19, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and his son men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward upward, not willing that any should, should. But all should come to repent. Now, this verse here, I want to talk with, with, with empathy. I want it with clarity. This verse is saying, don't you be deceived because God ain't punished you, because God ain't done nothing about this sinful life you're living, because God ain't judged you in the mess you've been walking in. Prophecy said this, and the pastor said this, your mama said this, the other one said this, and it ain't nothing happened to you. So you think because it ain't happened. Listen, baby, God's slackness is his mercy. It said the Lord is not slack concerning him, for God ain't no lying God. If God said it, he's going to be the past. And listen, if God said that you, if you die, your sin, your soul going to be lost, your soul is going to be lost. If God said if you don't make Jesus the Lord and save your life, you're going to be lost, you is going to be lost. God is not slack concerning his promise. Whatever God promised you, he ain't slack. He's just patient. He's long-suffering. He said he don't suffer towards us, but that means everybody. God ain't with, God don't want nobody lost. God don't want nobody lost. Long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. Listen, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone on the side of my voice that is saved and ain't saved. God wants you saved. God does not want you to go to hell. God does not want you to perish. God does not want you to be lost. God does not make hell for you. When God made hell, you won't even hear. God made hell for the devil and his angels, not for you. But if you don't get right, if you don't live right, if you don't be converted, if you don't make Jesus Lord and save your life, then in hell will be your home. 
You're going to go to a place that you wouldn't be welcome. Go to a place that God didn't even make for you. I'm telling you the scripture says, God do not want you lost. Why would you want to go somewhere you ain't been invited? Why would you want to die your sin and be lost? And God wants you to live right and go to heaven. Oh, this is getting good to me. Luke 18 and 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought it was a hard thing for God to save me. Yes, it did. I thought I had messed up so much. The devil had lied to me. Told me I had messed up so much, God couldn't even save me. But I want you to know it's possible. I don't care how messed up you have. I don't care what you done done. It is not impossible for God to save you. You might even say, well, Pastor, I gave my life to the devil. I sold my soul to the devil, and I know I'm lost. Well, let me come by and tell you the devil done lied to you, baby, because the devil can't buy something ain't his. How you going to sell something to the devil ain't, ain't yours to sell? You can't sell your soul to the devil. That's where the devil got you tricked at. I know a lot of people, friends, different ones that talk to me. I know a lot of people who are, were caught up in that and thought they were lost, but they found out the truth, and now they're free and they're preaching the truth. They know now that the devil can't buy something. You can't go take somebody else's car and sell it to somebody else, or somebody else's house and sell it to somebody else. That ain't yours to sell. The Bible said all souls are mine. Now, if your soul were yours, yes, you could sell it to the devil. But your soul ain't yours. Your soul belongs to God. He said all souls are mine, but the soul that sin shall die. So I encourage you, you can get free from that bond you made with the devil. You can come free from that vow you made with the devil. You hear what I'm saying? And God ain't going to let the devil kill you when you come free because his grace is waiting for you right now. Oh, I like that. Mark 16 and 16. He that believe and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believe not shall be damned. Oh, this is going to be one of my last scriptures now. I want you to get this here, what, what it says. Mark 16 and 16 says, he that believeth is baptized shall be saved. See when we get see when we get saved, we get baptized in water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and representing of his death, burial, and resurrection. He said, But he that believeth not shall be damned. If you don't believe, listen, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God and get saved, God don't need to judge you. You already damned. When you die, close your eyes, the undertaker, close your eyes, or wherever you at, when death comes to your house. You already damned. God ain't got to even judge you at the day of judgment because you done damned your own self. If you have not been born again, and you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, the scripture said right now what I talk to you, you are damned. You are lost. It don't mean you can't be saved, but you got to believe on Jesus to get saved. You need to do it while the blood is still warm, warm in your veins. Let this virgin listen. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go therein, be, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. Do you hear what that last part says? It said few that be that find it. Let me explain what that means. The Bible said in the old world, in the day of the flood, there were millions of people in the world. And only eight people got saved. Only eight got saved. You hear what I'm saying? It may look like a lot of people getting saved, but according to all the people that have been lost, it's just a little spot. It's just a little dot. And the Bible said, out of Solomon and Gomorrah, look how many people in Solomon and Gomorrah and all the surrounding city, thousands and thousands of people. But how many got saved? Only three. Oh, y'all heard the story about uh, 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 about the bride and the bridegroom and, and, 
and 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 the, and the women waiting to be go and meet the bride, the virgin, five wise, five foolish. And when they got back, though they had no oil, the door was shut. Don't let the door shut on you. I encourage you, make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. I gave enough of ship to save the world tonight, and I got some more. But I ain't gonna. I'm gonna try to quote them. I'm gonna bring it on in. Don't get caught up in the wide gate in the crowd. Oh, everybody! Everybody want to get on that on the road with the crowd. Oh yeah, everybody want to get with the crowd. They don't want to go get with the church. They talk about the church. Talk about them few folks going into church. But them folks going to church going to heaven. That crowd going to hell. At the end of that road where that crowd is, is in judgment, in destruction, in eternal damnation. Straight in the gate. Straight is straight. Uh, and few there be that signing. Just, just like they want only a few in the flood and a few in Solomon and Gomorrah. Uh, just like they want but a few with, with the bride. In the last day, the Bible said there's going to be a great falling away. And only a few people are getting saved. I encourage you, make Jesus Lord and Savior your life. Do it now while the blood is running warm in your vein. Amen, Apostle. Apostle, will you pray for those who may not know the plan of salvation so that they can have God to come in their life? Yes, we will. Precious Father, as she just said, there are those that don't know the plan of salvation. They've been taught this. They've been taught that. Some of them trying to follow religion that mama been in all her life, follow religion that daddy been in, grandma in, and somebody else told them about God. And we don't come to condemn the religion, but we come that you would open up their eyes, God, that they might see the plan of salvation through Christ Jesus, that they might know that only through your son, only through the shedding of his blood for them, is salvation coming into their life. No other salvation, no other way, no other method, Lord. Only through the shedding of your son, Christ Jesus, that they might accept him, Lord, that he might wash them clean from their sins that he might give them a new nature, God, that he might give them that new name, God, a name that, that, that nobody else can give them, oh, God. For the Bible said our name is written in the bland book of life, that their name might be written in the book, God, that their sin might be forgiven, that their soul might be saved, that redemption might come into their life. Do it for them, oh, Lord. Move the blindness out of their eyes. Move the blindness out of the way, God. All the hindrance out of the way. Everywhere Satan is trying to... Keep them blind so they cannot see. Move the blindness out of the way, God, and save them, Lord. Save them in the name of the Father. Save them in the name of the Son. In the name of the Holy Ghost, do it, God. Bring clarity unto them that they might be saved and not be lost, and that the glory and the honor and the praise might be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Do you have any final remarks you'd like to say? Yes, to God be the glory. Uh, salvation is a, is the most important thing that a person could do in these days. And Satan don't want no one saved. Folks don't want to come up and get saved anymore. You hardly ever hear people getting saved anymore because it doesn't seem like it's an important thing. It doesn't seem like it's something important that somebody wants to do. And Satan is telling them, listen, the greatest lie that Satan is telling them is, yes, it's okay for you to get saved, but don't do it now. You've got time to get saved. You're young. You've got plenty of time. But this is why he causes so many souls to be lost, because he uses procrastination. He got them procrastinating, thinking that, yes, 
See, now he used to tell them not to get saved, but now he tell them, yes, go ahead and get saved, but don't do it now, hoping that they die in their sin and their soul be lost. But I encourage you not to quit. Do not procrastinate. Do not put off for tomorrow what you can do today. For the Bible said, in the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. In the day, in the day of publication, that's what they did in the wilderness. That's what the that's what the Israelite did in the wilderness. They they hardened their heart, and the Bible said. Some 70,000 died in one day because they committed fornication. Because after they left out of Egypt, they went out in the wilderness. And when Moses went into the mountain, they made them a god, and they worshipped that god. And they committed fornication and adultery and lasciviousness. And God came down with judgment and destroyed them in the wilderness. Let's not be hard-headed as they would. That happened for our example that we might not fall into the same thing. So I pray that you will let God save you by the blood running warm in your veins. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And I like that Jesus' name. I'm serious about that. Please make sure when, the, when you get to prayer, you say in Jesus' name. When you do that, it locks everything in, and it gives God the right then uh, to, to, to work it out for you. Well, you know, before you hang up, i got to ask the question, how does it lock it in, or what do you mean by lock it in? It, it, then he can't help but answer your prayer. Because you've done it the way he told you to do it. And now he has to honor that prayer you prayed because you use his son. His son is, a, is, is like a combination. He's the access to the answer of your prayer. And when you said in Jesus' name, oh, my, it's on now. Oh, God got it, y'all. He's going to fix it. He said, let every man be a liar. Let God be the truth. He said, whatever you ask in my name, he said, God, listen. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, God going to do it. So when you say in the name of Jesus, it does because Jesus done said it was done. Oh. Yes, hallelujah. Uh-oh, you stirring it up. We were bamboo. <laughs> you need to stop now. Hallelujah. In yeah. Jesus' name, Amen. In Jesus' name. And been so good to me. Have you been good? He's been good to me. More than this whole world. Are you good? Yeah. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.